Good evening, people of Vancouver. I wanted to do two of the book challenges that I've seen recently. First is the bookish would you rather challenge that Bookworm Propaganda did over on her channel. If you're not subscribed to the Bookworm Propagandist, I suggest you do so now, as her reviews are always interesting. So first, the bookish would you rather challenge. Would you rather drink wine or beer while reading? Not that I encourage drinking and reading at the same time, but wine typically fits better with the kind of books that I read that would lend themselves to drinking. Number two, would you rather only buy books based on their cover or based on their first page? I would have to say the first page because that way you know the writing style of the author and can get a gist for where the story is headed. Covers can be greatly deceptive. Question number three. Would you rather read in a forest or read at a beach? I would rather read in a forest. There's something just soothing about being in the woods. And if I can use that as part of my escape into the books world, all the better. Question number four. Would you rather only read fantasy novels or only read realistic novels? I hate to have to choose because I do like a bit of both, but I'm going to have to go with fantasy on this one. I just like the escapism of fantasy. A little bit better than I like being stuck in the real world all the time. Finally, question number five. Would you rather date Mr. Darcy slash Elizabeth Bennet? Or date Mr. Rochester slash Jane I? I would have to go with Elizabeth over Jane in this one. Elizabeth is smart and loves to read. And just seems like someone who would be better to have a conversation with. There would go deep into the night. Sorry, Jean. This next challenge that I'm going to do is the Unpopular Opinions book tag. Alright, number one. Popular book or series that you didn't like? Um... I have to go with World War Z and Oral History of the Zombie War. I tried several times to get into it. All my coworkers are big on it. I just can't get past the first two chapters. Number two, a popular book or series that everyone else seems to hate but you love? The Lord of the Rings. I'm seeing so much hate for that on booktube and other places. But honestly, it is one of the best series that I've read. The timing is just right for me. Number three, a love triangle where the main character ended up with the person you did not want them to end up with. I don't really read that many books that have love triangles. Not the only one I can think of is Ethan Fromm, but I was okay with that ending. 
Number four, popular book genre that you hardly reach for. Romance. And erotica. Just not interested in those. Number five, a popular beloved character that you didn't like. Um, I can't really, so if I like the book, then I like the character, and I can't think of any one character that stands out as having not enjoyed them. Number six, a popular author that you can't get into. Again, I'm having a hard time with this one. Though I'll probably go with Anne Rand because I do have some friends that are big into philosophy and politics. And her stuff is just so dense and hard to get into at all. Number seven, a popular book trope that you're tired of seeing. For example, a lost princess, a corrupt ruler, or love triangle. Well, aside from all of those, I would have to go with no I'm good with those actually number eight popular series that you have no interest in reading his dark materials People keep ranting about it, but I just can't get into it. And anything that would be a romance series like Pretty Shades of Grey, just terrible writing in that when I tried to look at it. And number nine, a movie or TV show adaptation that you prefer more than the book. That is going to be really hard to come up with. And even with looking at it, I'm like, all my DVDs. that I can come up with is The Last Samurai. I tried to read the novel once and it was just so hard to get into but the movie is easy to get into. And that is my take on the unpopular opinions book tag. Enjoy and have a great night. Good morning, people of Anchor. I'm going to be republishing all the poems that I have recorded that I have not put into a podcast episode. So if you're new to the station, sit back and enjoy the show. If you've already heard these before, feel free to skip them. I won't be offended. Have a great day. Sorry about that, folks. It seems the poem got cut out. I'm going to try again to record it. 
Sea Fever by John Mansfield. I must go down to the seas again, to the lonely sea in the sky, and all I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by, and the wheels kick and the wind song, and the white sail shaking, and a grey mist on the sea's face, and a grey dawn breaking. I must go down to the seas again, for the call of the running tide is a wild call and a clear call that may not be denied. And all I ask is a windy day with the white clouds flying, and the flung spray and the blown spume and the seagulls crying. I must go down to the seas again, to the vagrant gypsy life, to the gull's way and the whale's way, with the winds like a whited knife. And all I ask is a merry yarn from a laughing fellow rover, and quiet sleep and a sweet dream when the long trick is over. Sea Fever by John Mansfield. If by Roger Kipling. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. When make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting. Or being lied about don't deal in lies. Or being hated don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster, and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings, and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose, and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you, except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with sixty seconds worth of distance running, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. If by Roger Kipling. Shall I Compare Thee by William Shakespeare Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's lease has all too short a date. Sometimes too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometimes declines, by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of the fair thou ownst. Nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Shall I Compare Thee by William Shakespeare Ozymandias by Pierce Shelley 
I met a traveler from an antique land, who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone, Stand in the desert, near them on the sand, Half sunk a shattered visage lies, Whose frown and wrinkled lips, And sneer of cold command, Tell that its sculptor well these passions read, Which yet survive, Stamped on these lifeless things, The hand that mocked them, And the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look how my works ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains, Round the decay of that colossal wreck. Boundless and bare, The lone and level sands stretch far away. Ozymandias by Percy Shelley Death, be not proud by John Donne. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkst thou dost overthrow, die not for death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep which but thy pictures be, much pleasure, then from thee much more must flow. And soonest our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and soul's delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poison, war, and sickness dwell, and poppies or charms can make us sleep as well. And better than thy stroke, why swellest thou, thou then? One short sleep past we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. Death, be not proud, by John Donne. Monologue from Cyrano de Bergerac When his rival Valette boldly asserts that Cyrano's nose is rather large, Cyrano responds with an impressive poetic salvo. But, my dear fellow, that will not do at all. There is so much to say on such a topic. I can't believe you throw away the chance. You might begin, for example, aggressively. Without my nose, I'd have it surgically removed. Or amiably. How can you drink with such a monstrous protuberance? Why, I'd forgo the mug and simply use a barrel. Descriptively. Why, it's a rock, a crag, a promontory. Archipelago. Inquisitively, I say, is that some kind of carrion case for a trombone or a tuba? Courteously, do you adore the birds so much that when the robins come to roost, you give them that to perch on? These, my friends, are things you might have said had you had some sprinklings of wit to spice your tedious discourse. Second monologue from Richard III by William Shakespeare. Act 3, Scene 1. Richard. Now is the winter of our discontent, made glorious summer by the sun of York, and all the clouds that lowered upon our house, in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. Now are our brows 
fall found with victorious wreaths. Our bruised arms hung up for monuments. Our stern alarums changed to merry meetings. Our dreadful marches to delightful measures. Grim visaged war has smoothed his wrinkled front, and now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fright the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the levacious pleasing of a lute. But I, that am not shaped for sporting tricks, nor made to court in a marius looking glass, I, that am rudely stamped and want love's majesty to strut before a wanton ambling nymph, I, that am curtailed of this for proportion, cheated of feature by dissembling nature, deformed, unfinished, sent before my time into this breathing world, scarce half made up, and that so lamely and unfashionably that dogs bark at me as I halt by them, why I, in this weak piping time of peace, have no delight to pass away the time, unless to see my shadow in the sun, and to scant on mine own deformity. And therefore, since I cannot prove a lover to entertain these fair well-spoken days, I am determined to prove a villain, and hate the idle pleasures of these days. Plots have I laid, inductions dangerous, by drunk prophecies, libels, and dreams, to set my brother Clarence and the king in deadly hate of the one against the other. And if King Edward be as true and just as I am subtle, false, and treacherous, this day should Clarence closely be mewed up about a prophecy which will say that G of Edward's heirs the murderer shall be. Dive thoughts down to my soul. Here Clarence comes. The Lamb by William Blake Little Lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Gave thee life and bid thee feed By the stream and over the mead? Gave thee clothing of delight, Softest clothing, woolly bright? Gave thee such a tender voice, Making all the vales rejoice? Little Lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Little lamb, I'll tell thee, little lamb, I'll tell thee. He is called by thy name, for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. I a child and thou a lamb, we are called by his name. Little lamb, God bless thee, little lamb, God bless thee. The Lamb by William Blake The Lamb by William Blake Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Gave thee life and bid thee feed By the stream and over the mead? Gave thee clothing of delight, Softest clothing, woolly bright? Gave thee such a tender voice, Making all the vales rejoice? Little lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee? Little lamb, I'll tell thee, Little lamb, I'll tell thee, he is called by thy name, for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. I a child and thou a lamb, we are called by his name. Little lamb, God bless thee. Little lamb, God bless thee. The Lamb by William Blake 1-5 through five. 
One, people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. Two, if you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. Three, if you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Four, the good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Five, honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. Six through ten. Six, the biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. Seven, people favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. Eight, what you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. Nine, people really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. 10. Give the world the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. 7. The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed, sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands your stored pomp, cries she, with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus Shakespearean Sonnet number 29 When, in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope, with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts myself almost despising, happily I think on thee, and then my estate, like to the lark at break of day arising, from solemn earth sings hymns at heaven's gates. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with kings. Shakespearean Sonnet number 29 The Invitation by Orion Mountain Dreamer it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for, and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. 
I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if have been opened by life's betrayal, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it, or fade it, or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes, without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. The Invitation by Orion Mountain Dreamer The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost Invictus by William Ernest Henley Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears, 
looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the minutes of the years find and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate, I am the captain of my soul. Invictus by William Ernest Henley If I Can Stop One Heart From Breaking by Emily Dickinson If I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life the aching, or cool one pain, or help one fainting robin unto his nest again, I shall not live in vain. If I can stop one heart from breaking by Emily Dickinson.